Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Ron Spomer Outdoors Podcast. Say, I really want to thank all of you for being regular customers here and sending in to me your your letters uh, of support. I really appreciate it. We are not quite up to um, Joe Rogan numbers here yet, but with your continuing support and a few million of your friends, by golly, we might get there. (laughs) But then Joe doesn't usually talk about cartridges and rifles and ballistics on his show. So this is the place to find that. And we're going to find out what I know about it with our questions. So the team today has given me a few. This is one from John. And it looks like it's a response to a, a blog podcast I did a little bit ago on uh, I answered a question about the 277 Fury. Somebody asked about this new military cartridge. So as I understand it, the military was looking for a new cartridge to, I don't know if it's going to replace the 223 or the 5.56 NATO, but a supplement to it at least. So this is an official U.S. government military rifle, and it's the, well, it's the military version of the 277 Fury. This is a Sig Sauer cartridge designed about three years ago. And the big thing about it is it's essentially a 308 Winchester uh, neck down to 27, so it takes a 270 bullet. Um, but the special feature about it is its higher pressure. It's a hybrid case that has a steel head to take the pressures, 80,000 PSI. And then the top half or top two thirds or so is brass for traditional sealing of the chamber gases and such. And I stated that this was the big deal about the 277 or uh, what's the military calling it? A 6.8 by 51, I believe. So what John is asking is the commercial 277 Fury ammo was not going to be loaded in the 80K PSI limit. Only the military ammo will be that hot. So he's correcting me. This commercial stuff for the civilians is going to be maxed out at around 65,000 mark. Now, 65,000 maximum average chamber pressure. That's in PSI, 
pressure. It's pounds per square inch. I think it's square inch. Must be it. At any rate, that's the standard for a 270, 300 wind mag, 22, 250. A lot of cartridges have maxed out at that. And rifles are pretty much built to withstand those pressures. So this 80,000 PSI thing is a big deal. The question is, can rifles take it? Well, obviously the one that SIG built for it does, and the military ones will, but as John is saying here, civilians buy this rifle chambered for the 277, and they're not going to load that ammunition above 65,000K, which struck me as a little bit odd. I didn't think that was the case. So I read this earlier. This is not fresh and just popped up here. I've seen this before. I wanted to get this right since he's correcting me. And I looked at the SIG website, and they are selling commercial ammunition for hunters in the 277 Fury that are going at a velocity that suggests they are using 80,000 PSI. And the case itself has the steel head. I don't think they would bother having that expensive case with the steel head loaded up uh, if they weren't keeping those pressures at 80,000 PSI. So, John, I think you your information needs to be updated. They are going to be selling... 277 Fury ammunition with a max pressure of 80,000 PSI. Now, whether or not any rifle can withstand that is the big question. I don't know of any other rifles being chambered for this round except for the SIG rifles. So don't just go out to your local gunsmith and have him ream it out to a 277 and take some 308 brass neck it down and try to push your pressures up to 80,000. Things are probably not going to stay in one piece. So be careful, but keep watching. Check out the websites and find out how things develop. I would suspect that somewhere along the line, if this thing starts to take off, other manufacturers will build rifles to work. I don't know if you're traditional Model 700s, Model Winchester Model 70s, Browning X-Bolts, or any of these other rifles are going to be able to withstand those pressures or not. Uh, we're going to find out. So now we're going to go to the questions that the team has pulled up for me. And we have one from Malachi. And Malachi asks, I know you can use an AR-style rifle to hunt deer, but why? <laughs> oh boy, we're going to get in trouble here. <laughs> If it's what you already have, fine. But what advantages are there over a more traditional style of hunting rifle? Are there any benefits at all? You're going to start a fire here. <laughs> I will say right off front that AR shooters love their rifles. And I get it. I mean, I love lightweight, quick, bold action rifles. That's just my preference. I've never enjoyed AR 15 style rifles. I find them to be rather clunky, um, kind of noisy, um, clankety clunkety clunk. Even this, this spring back in the tube, it makes a lot of noise when I shoot it. I can hear it echoing and I don't know, and the little things like that, but whatever. The point that this gentleman is, is making or a question that he is asking is, what's the benefit of one? Why would you use it for deer hunting? And I've always felt the same way. First of all, you're limited in your cartridge size to the 223. That's what 2.260 inches length. I mean, it's short. So that means you're not going to get a lot of powder in there and you've comp compromised ballistics. And for years and years, we built cartridges that would shoot harder and faster and flatter and all that good stuff. And now all of a sudden we're settling for a minimalist cartridge, a 223 Remington. Well, of course, when people started working with the ARs, they thought we don't 
have to just shoot a 223. What else can we make? So they came up with all kinds of different cartridges that are short and would still function in that rifle. So you have a, a 6.8 special purpose SPC Remington cartridge. It's a 270, but it's pretty weak. Um, you've got the 6.5 um, ARC, which is darn effective, surprisingly. Really short little thing. Um, 450 Bushmaster. My goodness, you're going up to a 0.452 inch diameter bullet and you're. <laughs> That is big and heavy. Uh, so none of these things are going to be shooting out to three, 400 yards like Jack O'Connor did with the 270 Winchester back in the day, or you can still do today. So what are your advantages for deer hunting? Well, if you're hunting in thick woods, you don't need a lot of trajectory. You don't need to worry much about wind deflection or anything else. So there would be a, no disadvantage in using one of those smaller cartridges. Um but really, I don't see any advantages either, other than familiarity with your rifle. You can't be using a high-capacity magazine. In most states, they limit you to five. So, and, and even if they didn't limit you to five, who needs 10 rounds to hit a deer? <laughs> if you need to shoot 10 times to get your deer, you probably need to spend more time practicing your shooting than finding a bigger, high-capacity magazine for your deer hunting. So I don't see an advantage there. Hog hunting, yes, but uh, not deer hunting. So I'm kind of with Malachi on this one. I really don't understand why you would want to use your AR unless you just absolutely love it. You're deadly with it and you don't need to reach three, four, 500 yards. And there are some rounds that'll fit an AR-15 that do have the capability of reaching 300 yards and still being effective. And one you rarely see anymore that I always thought would be the winner for deer hunting with the AR-15 is that 30 AR cartridge that Remington developed. That's kind of gone away. But the 6.5s, those little shorties like the ARC, are showing a lot of promise. And I think you could do darn good with those. Uh, the 6.5 Grendel is another good option. So there are some reasonable options out there. And if you love AR-15s, go for it. But I'm with you, Malachi. I just really don't see an advantage to using it. I think the classic lightweight Short action, bold action rifle is really the ideal for deer hunting, elk hunting, or anything else. Hunting big game. Now, it can be chambered for so many different things. You can tune it so easily. Uh, obviously, you can tune the AR-15s easily too. And you do have the advantage of switching your uppers, switching your barrels. Need to mention that. So a lot of guys will like to shoot and practice with a 223 and then switch up their barrel quickly. I mean, it's really amazing how quickly you can switch these things out to a larger caliber and then go deer hunting. So there's an advantage there. But yeah, I'll take the slim, trim, easy to carry little bold action rifle, but that's just me. Suit yourself. Free country yet. Hey, this one is uh, Dogwoman. Dogwoman55 asks, what are your thoughts on the 17 Hornet? Oh boy. Now this is a cute one. Oh, I wish I had. I've got a bunch of cartridges here on the table, folks. I don't have a 17, but I've got its mama. The 22 Hornet. This is a 1930 creation, a rimmed cartridge, really looks old-fashioned, got an incredibly sloping shoulder on it and a rim, so it's head spacing off the rim. It's in 22, shoots about a 45-grain bullet, not all that fast. It was an old plinking round for varmints and whatnot. And they necked it down to make the 17. The Wildcatters did this way back in, 
1950s, probably as early as 1950 even. I know P.O. Ackley wrote about it. He was the guy, this gunsmith, who did a lot of accurizing and then Ackleyizing of cartridges by blowing out the walls to get straighter and sharpening shoulders and getting more powder capacity in the cartridges. While he made an improved version of the 22 and necked it down to 17 to make the 17 Hornet, and that one has a lot of velocity advantage over the 22 Hornet, tiny little thing. I mean, you're burning 10 to 12 grains of powder to push a 20 grain bullet around 3,700 to 3,800 feet per second. So it is really fast. But of course, that light little 20 grain bullet is not very long. It doesn't have a lot of mass to it. So its BC is pretty low. So you're going to get quite a bit of deflection in the winds. But it'll shoot flat. Well, it's about about the same trajectory as a 223 shooting a similarly shaped 55 grain bullet at its usual velocities right around 3300 to 3200 feet per second. So you've got a real similar velocity, but what about energy? There's not much energy in that 20 grain bullet even if it starts off at 3800 feet per second. So by the time you get that thing out to about 200 yards you might be down to 300, 250, somewhere in that range of foot-pounds of energy. That is not much. But if you're calling coyotes, foxes, bobcats, if you're fur hunting and you don't want to damage that beautiful pelt, that little 17 generally won't. You just make a tiny little hole going in and then that's it. And it, it I think it kills quickly and doesn't damage the pelts. It doesn't blow up a lot of meat if you put it between the ribs. So you could even hunt small game with it if you'd want, but pretty explosive in a smaller animal. You probably want to take headshots there. So what's it good for other than that? I think it's really good for inexpensive target shooting. Since it replicates the ballistics of that 223, you could practice with it and even save money over the 223 because it's such a tiny little bullet. Hardly any expense there, and only 10 to 12 grains of powder. You can get a lot of shots out of a pound of powder. So, and there's no recoil. Gotta mention that. Oh, virtually no recoil. You could take your shot and watch the target get hit, essentially, because you're not going to re recoil and come off of your sight picture. So, it's fun to shoot with no recoil, too, and minimal report. So, you're not gonna be blowing your ears out, but I still recommend you wear hearing protection. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on the 17 Hornet. I have never owned one. I've shot them a few times and kind of wanted to get one, but I just never took the time to, to get one and fool around with it. But, boy, you know, if the costs of powder and bullets and everything else keep going up, I think it might be worth picking one up just to save powder and, and bullets and money and then do a lot of practice shooting with it. You could get really good really fast and wouldn't have to worry about flinching. <laughs> So that's what I know about the 17 Hornet. It's not a cartridge most folks know or see very often, but can be a lot of fun. Cool. This is uh, someone called Knowledge Seeker. I always appreciate folks who seek knowledge. Knowledge Seeker asks, why would you not lead with velocity and foot-pounds of energy at range? Now, I've got to think about this for a while, exactly what Knowledge Seeker is asking here. Since I don't see which... Uh, which video he's responding to, I've got to assume that he is wondering when I do my ballistic reports on trajectories and stuff from various cartridges, I always talk about muzzle velocity and uh, muzzle energy rather than what 
the energy and the velocity is of the bullet at, say, 300 yards or 200 yards, something downrange. And he is absolutely right if you're thinking about what's this cartridge going to be able to do uh, for elk hunting or anything else. You need to know what that bullet is carrying for energy and how fast it's going when it gets there, <laughs> not so much when it's launched. Because if you understand ballistics at all and ballistics coefficients of bullets, you understand that the efficiency of the bullet, its ability to resist the drag of the atmosphere, means that it's going to retain more energy and velocity downrange at all distances. And it can exceed the performance of a poorer designed bullet that is sent at a lot faster velocity initially. And that's why I've done articles on how the 6.5 Creedmoor with the right bullet can shoot harder, drift less in the wind, and fall less at distance than a 300 Winchester Magnum with the wrong bullet. It's bullet efficiency. So, yeah, good one, knowledge. Well, now, why don't I lead with that, or why don't I publish that stuff when I do these articles? I don't know. I think it's just a lot easier to go with the muzzle velocity information because you never know what your readers are going to be loading for a bullet. If I do a blog or an article on a particular bullet from a particular cartridge, yeah, downrange information is good to know, and I do it. But typically, when we're making these comparisons, people want to know how fast does cartridge X shoot compared to cartridge Y. I will give that information, hoping that people know enough to study the downrange ballistics and varying BCs of their bullets are going to change that. But I might want to look into that. You might have a really good point here, Knowledge Seeker. So thanks for bringing that up. I'll look at some of my older blogs and in the future, maybe put more details in there about what the bullet's doing when it gets to the target. All right. This is from Bill, and Bill asks, what are your thoughts on the 444 Marlin? Ah, the good old 444 Marlin. That one is kind of gone by the wayside, which surprises me because it's really pretty effective for a big bore, I guess we could call it, lever action cartridge. Here's what I know about it. About in the 1960s, oh, 64, 62, somewhere in that range, Marlin came out with this. And it was essentially the 44 Rem Mag pistol or revolver cartridge stretched. So same diameter, straight walled, stretched out, 44 caliber bullet. Uh, it'll shoot a 240 to 270 grain bullet, somewhere in that range. And because it have extra powder capacity and it's chambered for the lever actions, you're going to be able to push it pretty hard and get a lot more velocity out of it than you would the 44 Rem Mag. So, you know, how people were crazy about the 44 Rem Mag, even Dirty Harry thought it was the most powerful cartridge in the world, handgun cartridge in the world and nonsense like that. It wasn't, but <laughs> I, I suppose at one time it was, but it's been superseded. And even when Clint was making the movie, it wasn't. <laughs> but still. The that cartridge has a lot of panache about it. It's like, ooh, it's a 44 mag, it hits hard. Well, really, it doesn't for a revolver cartridge, yes, but when you put it in a rifle compared even to a 243, it just doesn't really hold up because those short, blunt, stumpy bullets don't have a high BC, they lose energy quickly. Good for close range, but it's real popular for handgun deer hunting. So, I think Marlin was on the right track. Why not make it a essentially a rifle cartridge. 
lengthen it out, use that same big bullet that a lot of deer hunters like. So you've got a big bullet, pretty good weight to it, a lot of punch. And I think a lot of guys would compare it to the 4570. I think it's a smidge longer. Obviously, it's narrower because it's a straight walled cartridge to 44 instead of a straight walled cartridge to 45. So if you take, say, a 270 grain bullet in the 444 Marlin and you compare it to a comparable bullet in the 4570 government, I think you'd be looking at a 300 grain bullet there. And I would guess that their BCs would be fairly similar. They're both going to be flat points, so they're not going to have a high BC. But I think you can drive the Marlin a lot faster. So your traditional 4570 load, of course, is pretty weak. I think the pressures allowed in that cartridge for the original Trapdoor Springfield were somewhere around 25 to 30,000 PSI. That is not much. Whereas that 444 Marlin, because it's in a pretty stout Marlin lever action, they were able to crank that up into the 40s. I think maybe 40,000 PSI, 42,000 PSI, somewhere in there. So almost doubling the the allowed pressure. That is going to help with your velocities. Plus, you've got the rifle barrel, and you're really starting to get some performance out of that. So I think if you look at your numbers, you're outperforming the old 4570. Now, some will say, well, wait a minute, you get your 4570 in that same lever action powerful rifle, you can hand load it to a little more pressures safely, and many do. So I think you're still probably going to have higher velocity out of the uh, 444. And the upshot is then you have increased performance, more punch, flatter trajectory down range. Not that you're looking at much long range on those, but darn good little woods, lever action, big bore, deer, and elk cartridge. Now, why isn't it more popular? It's, as I said, it's kind of fading away. And whereas the 4570 just seems to hang in there and even get to be more popular. And I think that is mostly because of its nostalgia. It's the old army round, official government round since 4570 was in 19, 18, 1873 when they came out with it. Got used by a lot of the bison hunters back in the day. Just has a, a certain cachet about it that people like. Whereas the 444 Marlin, eh, comes out in the 1960s. Big deal. Doesn't have that history. But boy, if you are looking for an effective lever action, bigger bore deer hunting cartridge, I would give it a hard look. I have never owned one myself, but by golly, if I got the opportunity uh, to pick between that and a 4570, I think I'd go for it. That's what I know about the 444 Marlin. I think it's a really cool number, too. <laughs> they should have been popular just because of that number. This is a question from Randall, and Randall asks, why does the 6.5-06 not gain popularity? That is a pretty darn good question. That cartridge, obviously, is 6.5 millimeter. That's your .264-inch diameter bullet, and... That's real popular these days, and this thing was around as a wildcat for a long, long time. You can imagine you take your 30 out 6 you neck it down to 6.5. Why didn't it take off? This thing should have been popular back in the 1960s. But it was not officially made into a Sammy commercial cartridge until, oh gosh, must have been in the early 2000s. It might have been in the late 1990s, but fairly new as a commercial cartridge for which you could buy rifles chambered for and ammunition and everything else. Um, so 
that means that it was around as a wildcat and he never got picked up by a major manufacturer to compete against some of the 6.5s that were coming on, let's say the 260 Remington, that's the 308 neck down. That was popular with target shooters. And that came out around 1997. Um, and that the deer hunters picked it up because it is a great little deer cartridge. That didn't do all that well either. It really wasn't until the 6.5 Creedmoor that the 6.5s hit the map and really took off. So I think the 6.5 on 6 should have used that as a springboard to become more popular as a deer round. But by then, people who really latched onto that 6.5 Creedmoor, I think also got brainwashed into the short action idea. <laughs> I, I'm not denigrating anybody here, but once that 6.5 Creedmoor became so popular and one of the reasons it was advertised as being effective was because it was a short action, a lot of people just glommed onto that as something significant when I don't really think it is. Yeah, I know it matters a little bit, but come on, if you're out hunting for deer or elk or moose or anything else, Short action versus long action does not mean all that much. So I would have thought the 6.5-06 being a longer cartridge, 30-06 length, and a lot faster would have been darn effective and darn popular. But then I'm guessing because of the popularity of the Creedmoor, people were shooting that. And they started to get into the long-range shooting, and it was like, well, by golly, this thing works on deer and elk too, so why bother with a long action anything? Let's just stick with this 6.5 Creedmoor. So best I can tell, that is what probably kept it from getting really popular. And of course, today you now have the 6.5 PRC, and that's a short action, a little bit longer than the 2.8 inch on the 308s, but generally will fit in a short action rifle. And I think people are going to grab that rather than the 6.5-06. So I just don't think it's ever going to really take off. Great cartridge. Um, I used one. I borrowed one from a friend on a moose hunt one time. And I took a good moose. It was an old moose. Didn't have huge antlers, but it was a good one. And it was obviously older. And at the time, we had to send the teeth in to get sectioned. You can cut the tooth and count the annual rings in it like a tree to see how old it was. And they were doing a bunch of research to figure out what their population was in age. So I sent that thing in and they sent me a report back. That old moose was 12 and a half years old. Living up in the wilderness of British Columbia with wolves all around, you've got to be one tough customer to survive for 12 years up there. Well, that little 6.5-06 throwing 120 grain all-copper bullet. It was a J36 from Lost River Ballistics in Idaho. Handmade bullet. And one shot did the trick. Of course, it hit the heart, so bingo, you're going to do it. But well, that was pretty impressive performance. So the, the 6.5-06, I think one other thing working against it is it's just so close to the 270 Winchester in performance that most people say, I've already got a 270. What do I want to bother for? I don't know. At any rate, that's my take on the 6.5-06. If you guys want to get one, go for it. Uh, there are a few brands that load ammunition for it, but it's pretty much a hand-loading game, even though it's a Sammy Spec cartridge. I am currently playing around with a 25-06 Ackley Improved, and <laughs> we'll see how far that one goes, but still haven't played around with the 6.5-06 other than that moose hunt. All right, Nick, Nick 25-06. Oh, hey, there's a cool name speaking of 25-06 Ackley Improved. This is Nick. 
25 on six. And he asks, Ron, could an action, say uh, Remington 700, be barreled in 277 Fury? Ha, we touched on that earlier. We'll touch on it again. I don't know. This is the question. I would think that such an action would have more than enough strength to handle that 80,000 PSI max average chamber pressure of that cartridge. But I don't know for sure. I'm not a metallurgist. I'm not an engineer. And I haven't seen any tests on this. I can tell you this. Almost all manufacturers test their barreled actions well beyond SAMI specs for whatever cartridge they're chambering it in. In other words, if you're building a rifle in 270 Winchester, it is allowed 65,000 PSI maximum average chamber pressure. Obviously, that means the average is going to be exceeded or not quite reached uh, load to load. A little bit too much powder, not quite enough powder, machines, you know. So there are tolerances built into this whole thing. Well, the rifle makers don't want to find out that somebody exploded their rifle by having a little bit of a hot load. So they're going to make them extra strong, right? So maybe they're going to test those at 80,000 PSI. If it doesn't blow up, shoot, you should be perfectly safe at 65,000. Well, wait a minute. There's a lot of lawyers out there that like to sue. <laughs> what if some guy gets really judicious with too much powder of the wrong kind, like a really fast burning powder with a big heavy bullet? Mm, that tends to raise pressures dramatically. Maybe we should test at 100,000 PSI just to be on the extra safe side. Well, I have talked to some manufacturers who admitted that they tested theirs to 124,000 PSI, didn't blow up the gun. Perfectly safe for what they were, what were building them for. 270s, 22-250s, 300 wind mags, all the 300 Weatherbys and 270 Weatherbys. Pretty much all the Weatherbys are way up there on pressure. So I suspect that some rifles out there already on the map could be barreled to 277. But we have to wait until the testing is done. I think we have to wait and find out if Remington, Winchester, Browning, Sako, Tika, Savage, you name it. When they come out with a rifle that's chambered for the 277 Fury at 80,000 PSI, then I think we can make a decision about how safe it is to have a gunsmith rechamber a barrel to that. So hang in there, guys. I know a lot of folks are excited about this whole idea of having a short action cartridge that shoots as fast as a long action by using higher pressures. But yikes, you're walking on thin ice with some of this stuff. So don't just go willy-nilly playing around with the stuff. Make darn sure it's going to work first. That looks like the end of the questions for the day, guys. I want to thank my team for coming up with these. And of course, I want to thank all of you for asking these questions. We try to get to as many as we can. And if we find a good one, we will put it on the air. And obviously, we appreciate all your corrections because we want to get this stuff right. So this is Ron Spomer signing off. Thanks to our patrons for supporting us. You guys really help us out. We really appreciate it. Thanks for both the moral support as, as well as joining our Patreon community at patreon.com. Ron Spomer signing off. Hunt honest and shoot straight. Mm -hmm.